from the studios of PANJ Radio in beautiful Lambertville, New Jersey, and sure as beautiful as this snow melts and simulcasts across the world via this thing they call the Internet. Welcome to the Strike Zone. I'm your home plate umpire and crew chief producer, engineer Jack Furlong. Manning the bases, as always, is Kurt Mackison. Your two-way sports talk phone number is 609-460-4673 in case you have any questions. And Twitter is at Jack Furlong and at KurtMack23, respectively. Here's the starting lineup for today's show. In just a couple of minutes, we will have an interview with Lou DiPietro of the Yes Network, or as I like to call him, the Yes Network's Peter Griffin. And then we will be talking all things Yankees and Thunder with him. Following that, we'll have an interview with Matt Ioannidis of the Washington Redskins, or as I like to refer to him as the Washington Redskins' Matt Ioannidis. Thankfully, Kurt's uh, mic is still muted until later. And, of course, we'll be taking your phone calls. But, of course, we must first start with a recap of the local and national sports scene in a little segment we like to call The Quick Pitch. Well, there's only two more weeks of spring training, thank God. The Yankees are currently 17-6, and six, Mets are 12-12, 12 and, 12, and the Phillies are 9-12. and 12. Today, the Mets are at the Tigers, and the Yankees are at the Nationals. Both games are just after 1 p.m. The Phillies have the day off. We have reached the championship round of the World Baseball Classic, finally. The final four teams are Japan, the Netherlands, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. of A. The semifinals get underway tonight as Puerto Rico plays host to the Netherlands, with the game getting underway just after 9 p.m. Eastern. Also reported, Didi Gregorius, sources are reporting, has some sort of shoulder injury. He has been sent back to Tampa for further tests. Over in hockey, the Devils lost to the Blue Jackets 4-1. The Flyers beat the Hurricanes 4-3. And three teams have finally punched their ticket to the Stanley Cup playoffs, those being Washington, Columbus, and Chicago. In basketball, the Nets lost to the Mavericks 111-104. The Sixers beat the Celtics 105-99. Sixers are in Orlando tonight at 7. And the Knicks are in L.A. to take on the Clippers tonight at 10-30. The NBA playoff picture is as follows. Thus far, the only teams to clinch a a trip to the postseason are Golden State, San Antonio, and Houston. The NCAA tournament resumes this Thursday with the Sweet 16. Notable upsets thus far include number 8 Wisconsin knocking off number 1 Villanova, number 11 Xavier knocking off number 3 FSU, number 7 Michigan knocking off number 2 Louisville, and number 7 South Carolina knocking off number 2 Duke. In football, the Giants have re-signed running back Orleans Darkwa, offensive lineman John Jerry, defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul, and quarterback Josh Johnson. Sources are also reporting that quarterback Geno Smith may also sign with the Giants. The Jets have signed cornerback Morris Claiborne. Former Jets kicker Nick Folk has signed with the Tampa Bay Bucks. There are rumors abound that the Raiders are trying to acquire retired running back Marshawn Lynch, and former 49ers wide receiver Dwight Clark has revealed he has ALS. In golf, Mark Leishman won the Arnold Palmer Invitational, shooting 11 under par. And that is your quick pitch. So real quick, before I bring Kurt in, a preview of what's coming up in the next few weeks. Next week, Kurt and I will be spending the show previewing the baseball regular season, making our picks, wrapping up the WBC, might try and get a couple of guests on who may or may not have already been on the show, too. And in two weeks, we will have minor league umpire Mike Provine be back with us one more time before he heads out on the road for his season in the Eastern League. 
And so now I can finally unmute the microphone of the great Kurt Mackison, and he can laugh about all the jokes I've made. Hey, Kurt, how are you? Hey, Jack. What is cooking? Um, big news in Lambertville today. What's that? Cutting down a tree you, on, on Main Street. No way. Yeah. I will give you all my Star Wars cards if you are lying. Except Boba Fett. <laughs> no matter how sure I am, never risk the Fett man. No. Big discussion. Really? Big, okay. Big, big, big. Well, I mean, hey, the, I mean, it's probably a big Taking story. up two parking spaces with, you know. Those are two parking spaces we could po- possibly be using. Yeah. Not that I use parking spaces that often. No, I gave you the crappy one. You today. did. I saw that. I saw that. I pulled. I did it in. intentionally. I said, you know what? I have a choice of two, and I'm giving Jack the crap. Oh, you, well, you beat me today. So, yeah. I, which never happens. So, I, I when when you when I pulled in, I saw a car there. I'm thinking that's got to be Kurt's car. But then I saw some guy I'd never seen before walking slowly out of the parking lot, and I'm thinking, oh, is this guy stealing a parking spot? <laughs> I was I was very concerned. I was as concerned as that big tree outside. Oh well, you should have been. I I, I clearly based am. on the demise of the big tree, exactly, and the demise of that parking spot, which thankfully <laughs> you took. So uh, anyway, while we wait for uh, for Lou to join us in just a couple of minutes, uh, let's quickly go over a couple of things. College basketball is big right now, as always. Uh, now, do you were you ever a big college basketball fan, or it's always kind of been lower on your list of priorities? Well, in general, the the list of my sports priorities has always been baseball, baseball, baseball. But that's also because I grew up engulfed in baseball you know college playing college baseball and, and yada 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 i didn't mean i didn't even and you it. own that team as well right i think i do the baseball 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 team yeah yeah i think i own that team as well uh they play out in walla walla washington uh-huh but uh anyway that's, that's in the what that's that's in the uh <laughs> league <laughs> uh uh so anyway uh I, let me put it to you this way with regard to college basketball uh I started to get into the excitement of it when I was a college professor and attending a lot of the home. Now, did Lafayette were they ever in the tournament? They when you were not, not affiliated. While, while I was there, I think they went once when I was a student. But when I was a student, I I could not care less. It was not until I took over the, the that's pet a man. double negative, isn't it? I could. Well, if you if you say I, I could, could care, care less, less, then why don't you care less? If you could not care less, then you have reached the bottom and you cannot go any lower. So you could not go any lower. Exactly. Okay. That's that's a that's a statement that a lot of people get wrong in life. I'm I'm calling, that's why I pointed it out. I'm calling everybody out on it right now. I but, could care less. I could care less. Well, then why don't you? When people say they could care less, that's that's what you say. Well, then go ahead. I think I'm going to use that on the field this year. I could care less. Go right ahead. And a guy's going to go nuts, and I'm going to say, no, really, it's important to me. I could care less. Exactly. So clearly I care right. because there's less for me to care. Right. So, so anyway, when I, was, when I was actually running the athletic bands, uh, we went to the Patriot. At band camp? At band camp. Uh, I, I, we actually went to the Patriot League final a number of times, I got but, you. but every time lost. I think we to lost, Lehigh. We probably. lost to Lehigh one year. We lost to Bucknell one oh, year. Oh yeah, Bucknell's in the tournament every other year. I it think seems. We, I think we actually lost to Bucknell two times. Yeah, it seems like they were in the tournament every other year, yeah. and they always play a very competitive game. Yes. If not, when I'd have to look it up. But they're always very competitive. Yeah, Bucknell and Lehigh are two very competitive teams. You might remember a couple of years ago when Lehigh knocked off Duke in the first round. That was a, a 15-2 upset. Duke. Duke. Um, 
and Duke bit the dust. Oh, they bit so it So half night. of America, you know, it's like Notre Dame in football. Exactly. The equivalent in college basketball, is, I think, is Duke. It's either Duke or UNC, I would imagine. I think more people hate Duke I, for some reason. I think you And right. I think a lot of it has to do with Christian Leitner. Or, or now it's Grayson Allen. But <laughs> Christian Leitner Chris, 2. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or yes. Christian Leitner revisited. Christian Leitner strikes back. Yeah. 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 Now that now the Lucasfilm is going to so, get on me. Anyway, uh, so so you're not a big college basketball fan. I used to be an incredibly, um, you know, focused college basketball right. fan until the one and dones have really taken over the sport. Right, and it's lost its luster for me. I will say this though: watching a college basketball game, even with no idea of the backstory of the teams or or how to analyze college basketball, is exciting. Okay, so I mean, uh, you, you this time of year, if it's not for the fact that obviously I'm entrenched in spring training in the World Baseball Classic, when I was catching some of the games last night, I was I was I was into it. Well, here's my problem with college basketball, other than the one and done. Okay, okay, um, because I think baseball has it right. The guys who you know want to be in college and play college baseball are there, right? And the guys who want to go pro. Who want to sign that contract out of high school are in the minor leagues, right? And it, to me, it takes nothing away from the college World Series. Okay, I wish basketball would do the same thing because I'm not comparing apples to oranges. I'm yep. comparing, you know, guys who are using this as a stepping stone to the professional ranks mm-hmm. versus guys who are there to play basketball and get an education. Right. And it's not a fair fight. That's, that and that's a, why we want to see Duke go down. And right. that's why we want to see UNC go down. And that's really why most of America, outside of Kentucky, wants to see them go down. Yep. That's one. Two is that now the coaches have become front and center. So when you think of back in the day, and we're going back a number of years, when you thought of UCLA, you thought of Bill Walton, right. let's say. You thought of John Wooden, who is the greatest coach of any sport at any time. Yep. But you also thought of Bill Walton. Mm-hmm. When you thought of North Carolina State, you thought of David Thompson. When you thought of, um, I'm pulling out a team, DePaul back in the day, you did think of Ray Meyer because he was there for 30 years. Right. But you also thought of Mark Aguirre. Nowadays, you think of Kentucky, what's the first thing that comes out of your your mouth? Chicken. Chicken? Kentucky Fried Chicken? Yes. Okay. Is it John Calipari? Probably. Right, because we can't name five players who've been there more than a year. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, So I did catch the Notre Dame... Princeton game. Uh, that, that's something that I hopefully we'll, I will I will get to at the end of the of the show too if we have time because okay. I, I caught the tail end of that myself. And my God, Princeton had two great looks to win that game. Yes, they did. They had multiple. They, well, they but had, they had two three pointers. Yeah. that really, and it's a shame they missed them. One was the second one was from NBA three range, but right. very makeable. The first one was a great look from three, and I'm surprised the kid missed it. Well, I mean, I'll, we'll get into that later because actually if we have time for Sportsmanship Matters, I was actually going to get into that specific game just a little bit, very briefly. Okay, and, but, and the other one would have been Northwestern Gonzaga. Right. And, ha- and I'm really just sick of the coverage of the tournament because we've got to see Julia Louise Dreyfus, whose kid plays on Northwestern, eight zillion times right. in the cutaway. And I will I will say this: the best announcing team out there by far of any of these games is Vern Lundquist 
and Jim Spinarkle, Jersey's own Jim Spinarkle. I, I, I would have no argument with that. And he, Vern Lundquist is the ultimate professional, and Spinarkle doesn't have to tell me every little nuance right. to prove that he knows the sport. That's fair. That's fair. All, Some of the other games, it's like, oh, you know, this guy is just reading off his sheet just to make sure that everybody knows. Well, you who, know, I mean, it goes back to things like, you know, you look at uh, Westwood One, uh, their coverage of the NFL on the radio. You look at uh, TBS's coverage of the division series in baseball. I mean, all these different national telecasts or radio broadcasts, they just pull in whatever name, you know, big broadcasting name they can, and they just go from one thing to the next. Was it, who was it? Was it Kevin Harlan who did, uh, I think he, he did the Super Bowl radio broadcast on Westwood One and then went the next night and did something, you know, some major college basketball game. Curling. Oh, curl! Okay, it could have done curling. You know, I remember Chris Russo was going off on him like, "You went from one to the next. What do you do?" You know, I was just like, "Really? I mean, who cares? He's allowed to make money." But but the point right. is, is that these. I mean, you can't you can't flip through any of these stations from game to game sometimes over the course of a couple of days and not go from Brian Anderson doing a, a Brewers TV broadcast to him doing a college basketball broadcast. Oh, you and know? and your buddy. Is doing NFL games. Which buddy, Tom McCarthy? Yes. Yeah, he does. He does NFL games. I'm. I'm I mean, right now he's I doing, tuned into. It was like the Jets San Diego or the, the, something. The it's national like, radio ah. broadcast on Westwood One. Right? Well, no, he was on TV this past. Oh, really? Season. Yes. What was he doing? Like CBS? I think it was CBS. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Jets game, which I just stumbled onto when it was. Yeah, it was him. I. I mean, because right now, obviously, he's down in Clearwater making a fool of himself. I can't. I, I, I kid you He's not. He's telling us all the rules. When when when, when he does the Phillies TV broadcasts, and I have to watch them because those might be the only broadcasts. Like if they're playing the Yankees and there's no Yankee feed, I I, I cringe. I got a buddy, who, professional musician friend of mine, who's a Grammy nominated saxophonist, and he goes off on McCarthy on uh, on Twitter. But or, if you I'm you just, ever listen to any of the now, once in a while, I'll scan YouTube looking for for plays, right? To you know, you kind of you make the call plays as right. an umpire. Okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm working that, and the flat out, you know, stupidity. I can't, I can't really describe it other than that. Flat right. out stupidity what? of some of these announcers, right, is unbelievable. I don't blame you. Not you know, present company excluded. Well, obviously. I think I think you're just calling me an idiot, but that's kind of a fair fair comment. I did that the other day. Well, you too. call me an idiot all the time, so I wake up in Didn't the morning. Did I say that my partner is an idiot? I think you did. I'm pretty sure that was at the meeting the other that, day. Yes. Well, I, I kind of <laughs> am. So, but anyway, moving from moving from me being an idiot to uh, a great human being who I've never met in person before, we move on to uh, Lou DiPietro of the Yes Network. I believe is on the line. Lou, are you there? I am here. What's up, fellas? Hey, Lou. It's Jack Furlong and Kurt Maxson on the Strike Zone. Thanks for giving us a couple of minutes of your time. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we can't complain. So let's start off uh, with this. Give us your best Ollie Williams blacky weather forecast of the state of the Yankees right now based upon what you saw down in Tampa. Oh, based on what I saw down in Tampa, I would say, it's hot! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ollie. <laughs> They, um, yeah, they, uh, they've looked great. Uh, one game uh, about 10 days ago now aside uh, where they made five errors and just kind of played sloppily. Um, I mean, they've done everything from hit five home runs in a game to throw a no-hitter. So right. it's all clicking. If, it, if a team throws a no-hitter in spring training, does it make a sound? Um, 
only in the box score the next day, and on April 2nd, everyone forgets about it. That's a great um, stat to have in the, in the back box. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I think unless that's your claim to fame as a player. Hey, I threw a no-hitter in spring training. It was a combined no-hitter, but I did it. Well, yeah. you were part of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe someday Chase and Shreve and Jordan Montgomery, hopefully that's not their career claim. To yeah, let's Montgomery. hope not. Is okay, but, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I bet uh, you that Shreve and Montgomery will end up on a sitcom on CBS called The Combined No-Hitter, and that'll be their claim to fame. Wow. So. Will that get the full 13 episodes and, uh, before it gets bounced? Well, or, uh, it, well, it's CBS, so probably not. Yeah, so, they only threw five innings between them, so that's a lot to expand. Exactly, multiple episodes. You you might you might get maybe two innings out of the thirteen uh, episodes. So I say we make uh, it a reality show instead. That works. Okay, a competition show between them, maybe. I like yeah. it. I like it. We're, we're 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 breaking barriers here on the show. That works. Well, while you were down there, did you see any surprises? Anything just like pop off that you saw? You know, I did not expect this. Anything that's worth reporting that we were just kind of like, whoa, this this came out of nowhere. I mean, you, you can see it in the stats, but, but I'll give you two. Um, one that isn't so much ex- unexpected as just wow, and the other one is a little bit of both. Um, Masir Tanaka, 13 and a third scoreless innings, three hits, two walks, 19 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. If he pitches half as good as he's looked this spring, he's a Cy Young candidate out of the gate, and yet he'll tell you he still has things to work on. His fastball command is a little spotty. or As he usually does, yeah. Pitches. yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, the guy was literally perfect twice. Right. And, and worked on a combined no-hitter, and he's still not happy with himself. So, I mean, watch out for that. The other thing is you guys are going to see him maybe, um, depending on, on the news we got today about Didi Gregorius, but Glaber Torres who is supposed to start in Trenton. I mean, he's hitting 450, right. give or take. Yep. Uh, OPS in the 1400 range, couple of homers, great defense. He's played a couple of positions. I mean, he just looks, you know, you hear a lot about guys like Xander Bogarts and Carlos Correa and that kind of special shortstop that, that came up at 20. He's, he's 20 and three months and 23 months old, I should say. And man, yeah. <laughs> the, I hope Earl Chapman was worth it for the World Series title for the Cubs. I, I, special. Well, when it takes you the better part of a century to get that world title, I, I, it, <laughs> I might, it might be. I think yeah. that's the trade you gotta you have to make because uh, you know that. Looking back at it, I think it is the piece that put them over the top. I think Adam Warren would agree with you too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. On, on, on all facets. I mean, even though Earl Chapman didn't close out Game Seven. Um, you know, we saw the, the issues he had there in the home run he gave up to Rajai Davis, and it ended up being Mike Montgomery that, that got the final out. But hey, he's got a ring. Exactly. Know, and Theo and Jed uh, punched their Hall of Fame ticket for sure with that one. So now yeah, you, maybe it was. You mentioned Gregorius. We got the report this morning that there might be a shoulder uh, problem. What's the latest that you're hearing from from everybody and your sources? All I know from, from that is, is what's been reported. Um, he left. You know, the, the Netherlands are in uh, Los Angeles for the, the championship round right. of the World Baseball Classic. He left, had a preliminary MRI yesterday. Uh, no word on those results as I, that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's coming back to Tampa. He's going to have more tests done tomorrow. So it's a muscle issue, apparently, from a couple of the reports. So hopefully that bodes better than, you know, a, a, some, kind of, some kind of tear or... or serious injury there maybe it's just a spasm or a, a strain or something that's not not time consuming in terms of a dl stint but uh so it's something that for the best is something that a uh, little rest can take care of rather than some kind of procedure 
you have to hope because you know just as I mentioned about Torres, I mean Didi Gregorius was hitting I think 350 in the World Baseball Classic with uh, with, with a load of RBIs, and he was his slash line was rather gaudy as well. So he he's locked in too. Um, hopefully now you know nothing nothing too too crazy is wrong in that shoulder. Now I mean long term, I, I think the question is going to be you know, between D.D. Gregorius and Glaber Torres and, and the shortstop position. Gun to your head right now, what do you think is going to happen there? Um, listen, the Yankees don't really have, outside of, beyond Starlin Castro, second base is one of the more fluid, that's the word I'll use to describe it, positions in, in the minor league system. There's a couple of guys, you know, in the lower minors that are, that are doing well. You know, Nick Solak uh, impressed in his first uh, taste of pro ball last year at Staten Island. There's a couple other guys that can move around. Um, you know, Manny Machado moved a third with the Orioles to come up and never looked back because of J.J. Hardy, who is much more of established of a player than Dede Gregorius is right now in terms of, of tenure. Xander Bogarts came up and played third base on the Red Sox playoff run a couple years ago. To my head... I mean, Didi Gregorius is 27 and looks like he's just blossoming into his prime. And you have a prospect in Miguel Andujar at third, who you guys saw in Trenton last year a little bit, and you don't really have much at second base once Starlin Castro is gone. To my head, I would say you move Glaber Torres somewhere because it's easier to move the 20-year-old kid to one side of shortstop or the other and leave Didi alone. But Didi's also a couple years away from free agency, so you know the timeline seems like it could be perfect. I would tend to think that a Torres-Gregorius-Keystone combo is probably the eventual end result, ideally, but you never know. I mean, look at Tyler Wade. He's playing six positions now. so He's going to be the next Ben Zobris, potentially. Yeah, it's, that's that's the kind of player they want, a Ben Zobris, a Brock Holt. And, you know, again, we go back to the Cubs. They had eight or nine guys that all played 140 games last year, and come November 1st, they were still fresh for the last right. couple games of the World Series. So Now, if, if Gregorius does miss any time with this injury, does it make sense to consider Tyler Wade as a short-term replacement? I'm thinking based only on maybe like 40-man roster stuff. I mean, I, I can't remember if Wade's on that roster, but I know Torres is not. Any thought on that? Uh, Tyler Wade is not. He's not yet Rule 5 eligible, okay. so I haven't put him on the roster, but... If some listen, if something happens to Didi where he has to start on the disabled list, the only other infielder that's capable of playing shortstop on the forty-man roster, outside of Torres, who's, who's there, is, is Jorge Mateo, who's starting in Tampa. Right. So he's not an option. Somebody's going to have to, whether it's Ruben Tejado, Pete Cosma, another outside signing or acquisition, maybe even Torres or Wade or somebody like that. Somebody would have to be added to the forty-man roster to give the Yankees that extra infielder or starting shortstop, as the case may be. So, I mean, I know they want Tyler Wade to become a super utility player, but he's going to have to be added soon enough anyway. Maybe they let him get his feet wet in the bigs. It's it, it's probably either him or one of the Tejada-Pete-Cosma combo, you know, depending on on who can go down or, or things like that. Right. I, you also, I mean, I wonder, Torres has only played at high A and he's supposed to start in Trenton, but the way he's hitting, I mean... I mean, that was going to be my question to you. Is from what you saw, is he major league ready hitting wise? It it seems that way. I think so. Because um, he's, you know, with Didi gone, he started quite a few games. I and mean, he's coming in, in the later innings in quite a few games, too, when, when the lesser pitchers, so to speak, are, are pitching the more minor league guys. But he's, he's faced some pretty good pitchers, and he's held his own. So. 
I mean, I don't know if, you know, if, if he comes up and they do that and he goes, you know, three for 25 in the first week of the season and Dee comes back and, you know, his confidence is shot, you don't want to take that chance. But, I mean, the Red, like I said, the Red Sox had no problem bringing up Xander Bogarts in the middle of the playoff run and same with the Orioles and Manny Machado. So. Right. Of course, Jeter, Jeter did what we're talking about. Um, I think it was a year older than uh, Glaber Torres, but people had questions – in 1996, of whether Jeter was major league ready at that point, put him in the starting lineup, and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, he made his debut in May of '95. He was almost 21 um, when he came up, you know, in, to face Seattle. And yeah, that was a that was a tough year for him. He was uh, 12 for 48, according to uh, the stats. Well, we've all been there. To be a 310 hitter, so uh, <laughs> it all worked out for him, and he's the rookie of the year. But yeah, it's it's a very similar timeline. Yeah, I mean, Glaber just turned 20 in December, so he's maybe if he were to say start on opening day, he'd be eight months younger than Jeter was when he made his major league debut. So now you mentioned Jorge Mateo and how he's been sent to High A Tampa. Uh, what's the what's the background surrounding that? Because you know, I think a lot of us kind of had him ticketed for Trenton this year. Yeah, and. Either one would be an assignment that makes sense. The more I think about it and the more I, I hear from those guys who are still down there and, and talking to Gary Denbo, the head of the farm system, is this. He struggled a little bit with the bat. Um, he's not a completely polished hitter yet. He has improved over the, the course of the winter and then into spring training. They're seeing a lot of positive signs, but there's still some work to be done there. That's number one. Number two the talk of him moving to center field, you know, they've moved, they put him there in instructional league a little bit. He's worked out there this spring. He's going to apparently get into some games in center field. I would imagine some of the minor league spring training games and maybe some early in Tampa. That's a better place to do that than Trenton, which double A is the biggest jump, really. From right. A to double A is the, is the big jump, other than anywhere to the majors, because there's nothing like the majors. But right, right. It's better to work it out somewhere down there in Tampa where there's, you know, I don't want to say there's lesser competition, but it's a lower level of the minor league. So by nature, you know, there's guys that, that don't rise above that level, whereas double-A is the prospect, you know, the prospect hophead. Number three is going back to Torres. I mean, it's clear just based in his usage and, and what he's done and, and the way everything's gone that he is now the priority prospect when it comes to shortstop. So if both he and Mateo were to start in Trenton, somebody would have to play second base or DH on a regular basis, and that would probably have been more Mateo. So if you're going to have him play somewhere else in his natural position, you might as well have it be, like I said, in Tampa Learning Center Field. That makes sense. That makes sense. Kurt's looking at me like he's got something to do real quick. You got anything, Kurt? <laughs> well, I, I guess the, 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 the one um, aspect we haven't touched upon yet, and to me, in my opinion, this is great excitement around all these position players, but the Yankees' Achilles heel right now is pitching. Lou, what, what do you see in that horizon outside of uh, uh, Caprillion? Well, Caprillion has uh, looked good this spring in all of his sim games. He uh, pitched well in his first Grapefruit League taste before he got reassigned. Um, Jordan Montgomery has really impressed Joe Girardi this spring. He's going to get a start, I believe, on Thursday against uh, the Rays. I-, I think that's the game Joe Girardi said he's going to start. I mean, he's pitched on an every five-day schedule. I think he's only thrown one sim game among that in the month we've been going now into game action. So. He, he's definitely on their radar, and the way he's pitched, he, he's impressed Girardi a lot. I mean, this is the guy that started the AAA National Championship game last year when they could have had anybody, including including Phil Coke, who pitched pretty well down there, make that start. He was the guy they tabbed 
even after he had a, a really rough start in the uh, Governor's Cup Finals, they, they stuck with him, and he pitched well. He's pitched well this spring. Girardi likes what he sees. You know, you talk about the rotation competition with the five guys that, that everyone has named, but he keeps pitching well. And, you know, we saw what happened to Luis Severino wasn't really sharp yesterday. Luis Sessa's had some hiccups. You never know if he could sneak in there and maybe say, you know what, we'll give this guy a shot as the number five starter early in the season for the same reason. He's going to have to be added to the roster eventually, so let's see what we got. But he's he's probably the, the next, you know, you hear the Chance Adams, who you guys, again, saw in Trenton a little bit last year, um, Caprellian, those names like that. But but Jordan Montgomery is definitely a, he's definitely a sleeper just based on the depth. Uh, around him in the organization. Now, Severino is an interesting, I think, um, issue at this point for the Yankees. Um, it seems to me he's going to uh, start the season in scranton Wilkesbury. If you look at the line and you hear him talk, I mean, I can't argue with that. Yeah. I, just, I can't argue with that. It's um, It hasn't been hasn't been the spring they hoped all around, I don't think, for him. Um he just he, he he knows he rushes, and that's what he always says. You know, I'm rushing to the plate. I got to work on getting my ball down. But I mean, realistically, I'm I'm not a I'm not a talent evaluator on the level of anyone working for the Yankees. But having seen him a little bit and last year, and just looking at everything, I mean, there comes to a point where you you have to stop singing it and bring it, so to speak. You know what I mean? Right. I got to work on getting the ball down. Well, eventually, you either have to get the ball down or you're just not going to be what you know what they want you to be. So he may be. This may be a, a make or break year for him. In that, if you know they send him down to start, and he's going to be a starter if they send him down, and he just doesn't. It just doesn't click. I mean, you know what? Dellen Betances was a starter who got moved to the bullpen in Trenton a few years ago because he, he couldn't, you know, couldn't command his uh, pitches. Mariano Rivera was a starter in the major leagues before he became the greatest closer in the history of baseball. So there's. There's track record of guys with that kind of stuff being able to be pretty successful even if they move from the rotation, but this has to be the year he figures it out or else it might be, I mean, it's, he's 22, 23 years old, but it might be time to just say, okay, you know what, we've got such depth, let's see if we can utilize this guy in a, in a role that's much more beneficial to both us and him. Makes sense. Talking to Lou DiPietro of the Yes Network. Lou, before I let you go, uh, final question. Uh, have you been uh, made aware of the news that everyone we thought had heard? That the bird is uh, equal to or greater than the word? That, that would be correct. And we, we actually have to stop it there before the trash men demand uh, royalties. But, uh, Lou, Lou, thank you so much for popping on with us. We really appreciate it, and uh, we hope to talk to you uh, down the road sometime soon. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. And uh, send my love to the other uh, former Temple Owl that's on your show today. Yes. I know you're talking football, so uh, go Owls. Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll tell him right now. We might tweet him just so that he doesn't forget it. So. Hey, thanks, Lou. Thanks, man. You got it, guys. See you, bud. That's Lou DiPietro of the Yes Network. Uh, appreciate him popping on. Hope to have him on a couple more times. We have reached halftime on the show, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll have Matt Ioannidis of the Washington Redskins join us, and uh, we'll be back right after this on the Strike Zone. PANJ Radio serves the Delaware River towns of Lambertville, New Jersey, and New Hope, Pennsylvania, as well as surrounding counties Bucks, Hunterdon, and Mercer. 
Now, there's a great new app for your smartphone to help you get the best deals in Lambertville and New Hope, including restaurant discounts, plus a handy directory of everything happening here, a calendar of events like live musical performances and gallery openings, and listings on everything from where to get the best pizza to the best parking spot. You can download the app for free in no time by searching for Lambertville New Hope on your smartphone's app page. But there's more. Got a business you'd like advertised on the app? Have we got a deal for you. Just go to www.lnhapp.com, click Choose Your Plan, then submit coupon code PANJRADIO. Our code will get you 20 bucks off your monthly charge for six whole months. Once again, go to www.lnhapp.com and click the Choose Your Plan, then add the coupon code PANJRADIO to save $120 on your business listing over six whole months. And remember, downloading and using the app is absolutely free. It's our way of thanking you for listening to PANJ Radio, your Delaware Rivertown's community radio station. I'm Carrie. And I'm John. Do you have trouble navigating social media for your online marketing, whether it be for your business or social life? I don't know what I do, Carrie. I need help on both ends. (laughs) Well, on our show, like, comment, share, we'll discuss some innovative strategies and fun tips so anyone can become social media savvy. We'll also cover the trending topics and hashtags of that day. Ooh, trending topics. Check us out every other Tuesday at 11 a.m. at panjradio.com. And it's a live show, and you can call us while we're on air at 609-460-4673 or email us at lcs at panjradio.com. See you then. See you then. What if your mattress not only helped you sleep better at night, it also helped you heal better? Chiromatic of Princeton's mattresses are clinically proven to reduce back pain and stiffness and improve overall sleep quality. Now in our 40th year, our patented sports mattress line specifically targets muscle recovery as you sleep. Chiromatic of Princeton prides itself on great customer service too. We show our mattresses by appointment only. Contact us at 908-200-5549 for your personal tour at our Princeton Junction, New Jersey showroom. Use the coupon code RADIO and get $100 off at checkout. We always include free shipping and our 100-night better sleep money-back guarantee with every purchase. Chiromatic of Princeton Sleep Systems, doctor recommended, patient approved. The chiropractor's choice for a perfect night's sleep. So call us today at 908-200-5549 and use the coupon code RADIO. That's 908-200-5549 and use the coupon code RADIO for $100 off now. Welcome back to the Strike Zone, everyone. Jack Furlong, Kurt Maxson with you, taking your phone call, 609-460-4673. We are pleased now to be joined by Matt Ioannidis of the Washington Redskins. Matt, you there? Yep, I'm here, guys. Matt, how are you? It's Jack Furlong, Kurt Maxson on the Strike Zone. Thanks for giving us a couple minutes of your time. How are you doing today? 
I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. How's the offseason been for you so far? It has been really well. Yeah, this is probably the biggest break I've had in my life since I want to say entering high school. So it's been been a lot of downtime, but a lot of uh, a lot of hard work too. Now, Matt, uh, I'm not going to get, and actually, I'm going to do this a little bit in reverse than what I normally do, only because the the Redskins have been in the news a lot um, about the you know, the front office shakeup and things like that. And I'm not going to ask you to go into any you know detail on that, but. I do want to ask you, and I think our listeners would be interested to know, um, does the front office communicate with you guys, or is it just coaches that communicate with you guys in the offseason? Well, the offseason is kind of an interesting thing, and I'm in, the, I'm in my first offseason, so I can't really speak to that or go into great detail just for the lack of you know, my own knowledge. So <clears throat> for me, I try and stay plugged in through Twitter, but for a lot of other players, it could be different or it could be the same. I can't really speak to that truthfully. Okay. Um, now, with what, you know, what's gone on, Chris Baker um, you know, left in free agency, then Ricky uh, Jean-Francois um, was released. Um, I think that kind of puts you in you know, a position now where you're really looking to compete for a starting position. Um, is that the way you're looking at it as well? I think that's the way everyone should look at themselves is whoever's in the room, you know, whether they're gone or recently released or recently signed someone else, I think we all have to go out there and look to look to compete for a starting job. Now, Matt, what's interesting is uh, you know, as I, as I was doing some some backup research on this, you know, you you really have seem to have no problem wherever they put you on the field. I mean, do you see yourself more as a defensive end, a nose tackle? Are you just happy to, you know, to be playing? What's, what's your take on where you see yourself positionally on the defense? I think you kind of hit it right on the head. I, I, I want to be on the field no matter where it is. If it's playing nose, playing a five technique, playing <clears> – <throat> I see myself playing where they see me playing. So I'm just happy to, to play and, and be involved. That's a beautiful thing, man. I love to hear that. Um, so you did get your feet wet last year, um, and I know that uh, you did play, you know, against the Giants um, the last game of the season. Um, you guys had a playoff berth on the line, um, ended up losing that game. Um, tell me about, you know, that experience, at least of competing for a playoff spot, and maybe your, you know, your take on how the season ended for the Redskins. That was that was tough going into that week we all knew that playoffs for us started that week um there were really no surprises that we we knew you know i think the situation was if we won we were in the off chance that we won and didn't get in was if i think green bay tied or something right right green bay and detroit tied yeah right but that was a they're, they're all exciting weeks in the nfl every every game is is its own challenge. You don't see a lot of games where where they're blowouts. Every game is tough because the talent level is so high. So I took the perspective of that's just another game. Uh, that's just the way I've always done it uh, within my career. But, yeah, I think the fans put a lot of uh, emphasis around those games for sure. Now, was there a moment for you because, I mean, maybe some of our listeners don't know, you were actually cut at the end of training camp, signed to the practice roster, and then moved your way up um, onto the uh, onto the fifty three three man roster. 
um, at the end of the season. Was there a point, you know, during that period of time where you, you said, man, I, I made it, I can play in this league, or did you come into training camp with that attitude? I came into training camp determined to earn a spot on the roster and, and with high hopes to earn a starting spot, and it didn't go that way, but I knew early on that I could play at this level. I was confident. I still am confident, obviously, and it's obviously a letdown to be released and brought back because everyone should have higher expectations for themselves, but all in all, it ended up being a, a really positive situation for me, and I'm just really grateful. I, I, I love your college nickname of the professor based upon on how you how you study you know the defensive uh, schemes and whatnot what what goes into it for you can you talk a little bit about how you approach your your study of the schemes what you look for uh, any specific methods or templates or anything that you do I mean talk about how you get to be that at that point and what makes you you know so good at that sure well <clears throat> learning how to study film is something that I haven't mastered just <laughs> despite the nickname. Uh, I want to say it really got detailed for me my sophomore year. We were a bad Temple team. We we ended up going two and ten. Uh, a lot of disappointing games. Almost upset. UCF, who was ranked at the time, who would go on to have Blake Bortles taken. We were up twenty-one to zero on UConn and ended up they in they scored twenty-eight unanswered. So after that point. I realized I had to start gaining an edge one way or another. Uh, So I looked to the film room and just kind of by process of trial and elimination, you got to see what works for you. You study a player or a scheme. If you study a player, you have to study various things like their footwork and, you know, where do they, where do they shoot their hands when they punch and pass pro? What kind of a run blocker are they? There's a lot that goes into it, but it's, I found it to be a lot of trial and error to see what works for you because just like we watch film on them, they watch film on us, and they can know their own habits just as we know their own habits and as we know our own. So it's it's difficult to watch film and really get a knack for picking up on key details that can actually help you as opposed to just finding something that might work 50-50. You know, that just becomes a shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. So um, now, Matt, your, your college coach – uh, Matt Rule, I, I guess you played for him during the two and ten season, and then you guys really turned it around. Um, you made a bowl game, I guess, in your your senior year, um, the Boca Raton Bowl, and then uh, Coach Rule is now taking on a really big challenge at uh, trying to revitalize the Baylor program. Um, talk talk to us about your experience with Coach Rule and what influence he had on you. I think everyone who played for Coach Rule from my sophomore year to my senior year would have a very similar experience with him. He he turned that program around. He did something there that hasn't been done in a very long time. Uh, he turned a program from two and ten to ten and two in a three-year span, and that's special. I think I think it came down to what he brought that impacted us the most is just how competitive he was. Everything we did was a competition. We we competed in every aspect of the day, and I'm not just talking about practice. I mean, 
you had to be first in everything. You had to be, you know, first to class. You had to sit in the front two rows. You had to set the standard for everyone. We had everything was a competition, winner, loser, losers ran. So you were always striving to win. So that was the biggest thing that Coach Rule brought, in my opinion, was was the competition. And if not that, then the intensity for sure, because it was a long four years. Yeah, but it really prepared you for the NFL. Uh, yes. He, uh, prior to taking the Temple job, during my freshman year when I was playing for Coach Adazio, he was with the Giants. So he came directly from an NFL program. Right. An NFL, two hours. And he... He always said he was trying to run it as similarly as he could to an NFL standard. So before uh, we let you run, Matt, um, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, cutting your teeth with football. And you're obviously a local product at 100 and Central. And, you know, tell us about your experience in high school. And, and then also answer this question for me, at least first. Did, Rut- did you at least get a, a phone call from Rutgers? Uh... I did not get any sort of. We'll say this. Yeah, I got the call. Uh-huh. But it wasn't. It, it, there was nothing promising there. Uh-huh. I didn't get the call to say, "Hey, come play ball here, son." We. It was more of a. I got pushed aside by Rutgers. Hmm. They came to the school. They saw me, and I got brushed aside. You know, I didn't. I didn't fit their mold of what they were trying to do there. Well, that's disappointing to hear because I always try to ask the, the New Jersey athletes that, and I, I think we have enough football talent. You're, uh, you know, obviously representative of that in the state. That if we kept enough of you guys around, uh, we'd be very competitive in the Big Ten. Yeah, there's certainly a ton of talent in New Jersey, and I'll tell you what. After playing in Philadelphia, I made the one of the best decisions of my life. I don't regret going to. Temple for for even a second. I think that if Rutgers doesn't want to recruit the homegrown talent, then it's going to go elsewhere. And as you said, they're going to, you know, they may struggle in the Big Ten in the future. Now, uh, did you have a favorite team growing up in the NFL? I, you know what, I people have a tough time accepting this answer a lot of times. <laughs> I grew up a younger brother, so I kind of grew up watching whatever was on TV. So I didn't really have a choice in what game was on, so it never really made sense to me to pick a team because I wasn't watching them. <laughs> so. That makes sense. That makes sense. Hey, they're all nationally televised. You watch whatever's on. I get it. I get it. Uh, so uh, before we let you run, Matt, um, tell us about the 100 and Central and, and you know what your experiences were there in terms of uh, you know playoff games, uh, notable games that you've played. Yeah, 100 and Central was really good to me. I, I appreciate what they did. They they laid a foundation that I built upon for years, and my temple, my temple coaches, you know, also added bricks too. And we were we were, we were fortunate. I was I was fortunate to come into a program that was really successful. I think my my first year on varsity, we went undefeated in the regular season, only to be knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. But every year we made the playoffs. I played in a championship game at Rutgers. Um, that's a that's a program that's been really successful for a really long time, and I just wish them all the luck and success in the future. Now that you reminded me of Hundred and Central, there's a pizza place right down the road from Hundred and Central. I have to go to for lunch now. So I mean, it's it's yeah. all it's all coming full circle. So, well, Matt, I'll tell you what. What's that? The, the new the New Jersey pizza that is. Uh, that is something you miss when you're out of town. Oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. In fact, you know, I, I, if I were you, I'd, you know, make sure that you had a steady supply coming to you no matter where you were. 
<laughs> you know, but you know, but you're you're you. I wouldn't argue with you either. You know, if you said that to somebody, they'd probably look at you and go, "Yeah, we'll do whatever you say, sir." You know. So, well, well, Matt, thank you so much for popping on with us. We really appreciate the time. We're happy to have you know a, a local product on the show, and uh, we're real proud of you. We you know, give it give it hell this coming year, and uh, we'll be looking for you on the TV. Yeah, we're rooting for you, Matt. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. It's our pleasure. Right. Thanks, Matt. Take care. That's Matt Ioannidis of the Washington Redskins. Uh, I didn't realize we were going to have uh, two Temple grads on today. Yes. You know, so. All you guys went to Pensy to, to school. Huh? I, I, oh, yeah. I went to Pensy. You went to, you didn't go to Pensy. No, no, I did you stayed, you stayed in. I stayed on the, the, the correct side of the Delaware. As, as Governor David Patterson from Saturday Night Live <laughs> would call it, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, we got a couple of minutes. You want to do uh, quick sportsmanship matters while we're here? Kill some time? Kill, kill some time. Kill some time. We, we, we got more stuff we, than you can shake a stick at. You know, now, I thought what was interesting uh-huh. about uh, Lou's comments right. about the Yankees is how far, and see what you think of this. Okay. Two guys that we didn't talk about. One guy we talked about a little bit, and that was Jorge Mateo. Right. Yep. And how he is kind of an afterthought. Um, in the continuum now. Oh, totally. Especially after that um, that that dust up that he had uh, prior to the futures game last year. I think he was still in Tampa at that point. Where I, f- I forget exactly what happened, but they they disciplined him right and for took, like a week exactly and took yeah. him off the futures team roster. Right. And and I you know, I'm wondering. But, uh, if this hopefully is all... that's that's water over the dam at this point. But I just think you know all things being equal, he probably. If he is past whatever situation that was, he still is in the continuum behind, you know, obviously Glaber Torres. Oh, totally. He's completely in the back seat now. And as Lou mentioned, you know, Didi's only, what, 27 years old? Mm -hmm. So he's not, um, you know, not that old, especially in terms of probably having another five or six solid seasons because I think you only hit your. Decline in baseball around 33. That makes sense. Uh, Which means I'm hitting my decline right now. Yeah. yeah. In, fact, in fact, I am a decline. So. <laughs> but the other guy we didn't mention was Clint Frazier a yes, whole lot. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, with the haircut, and for, for the listeners who don't know, he was in Florida, and they brought the, 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 the man bun and his flowing red locks were right. getting to be a distraction. Uh, Based on George Steinbrenner's rule of no long hair. No long hair. Um, and they also said it kind of had a ripple effect because then CC Sabathia wasn't shaving, yep. and the Yankees have long, had a long-standing policy of no facial hair Below. other than a mustache. Yep. And that was one that when Thurman Munson used to get his panties in a bunch, he used to... He it was below to, the lip, right? But, because but, I think you could have some sideburns a little bit as long as... It, back know. in the day, yeah. yeah. You know, if but, you were into the 1970s. But uh, when Munson got a little peeved at the organization, you know, you used to see some three, four-day stubble on him right. as well. That's what was happening with Sabathia. And so Girardi kind of threw down the gauntlet and said, um, you know, hey... Let's fix this. Let's fix yeah. this, and he did. And to me, he said all the right things. But it looks like they they they're having Reggie Jackson mentor Clint Frazier right. a little bit right. too. Um, ultimately, I think, and I'm going to throw this out at you, okay. that the the challenge is going to be for the Yankees: Aaron Judge versus Clint Frazier. I would agree with that. I would agree with that because Aaron Judge is showing now he's not 
the you know the 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 coolest guy in school based upon the spring performances of Clint Frazier, and I'm even going to throw in Billy McKinney, who was not right. supposed to be in Major League Camp until Tyler Austin went down with that foot injury, right. and he's making the best of it. I mean, we didn't, again we didn't mention this, but your starting outfield at Scranton is probably going to be Frazier, McKinney, and Dustin Fowler, and Dustin Fowler is a guy who reminds me a lot of Brett Gardner. Just needs to steal more then. <laughs> well, uh, so yeah. does Gardner. That's, that's my point, is oh, that yeah. Gardner needs to steal more. <laughs> um, but uh, Fowler is a guy that reminds me of Gardner, and I think he has, uh, seeing him at Trenton a few times mm-hmm. last year, I think he, he definitely has major league attributes to his game. I, I would agree with that as well. I would agree with that as well. And once again, out of nowhere, the Yankees are developing, and you're going to have to say his name, another catcher. Kyle Higashioka? Yes. yes. Thank you for that. That's why I'm here. Yes, that's why I'm here. I, I throw me an Asian name with a with an American first name, and I'll get it every time. There you go. And that's a blatant lie. So Susan Wong, <laughs> Donna Chang. <laughs> oh, we changed it from Changstein. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, what was the other thing I was going to mention to you? I, I completely. But I think it's now. still yeah. coming down to from from all reports, Greg Bird is back to 100. percent Yes. So you wonder what's going to happen with the Chris Carter situation. Are you just going to be a glorified pinch hitter? Well, you know, like you, like we always say, there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. And as you mentioned to me, you can flip Chris Carter if you need to, if he's just becoming redundant. Yeah. You know, you can flip him to somebody and, and you know, some, there's somebody who's – there's got to be somebody. But the problem that they're going to have is getting him enough at-bats to be able to flip him to show – someone that hey you that he can, can use yeah him. they'd probably have to eat a good chunk of the contract but there's going to be someone who can say maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle and they've also said to him specifically look if greg bird is hitting both righties and lefties he's going to play right you know so so carter knows what he's getting into i think carter's just happy to be in the states to be honest with you because he was non-tendered he was about to make 11 million dollars right. brewers let him go he had offers to go to japan and instead he takes a 3.5 one year deal 3.5 million one year deal with the yankees yeah. you know so so i think he's just happy to be here he knows he can get a job somewhere doing something you know, as long as he's in the States, probably. And I think the biggest thing for the Yankees is now going to be they have so much quality young talent in the in whatever position you want to talk about. Right. Except for second base. Right. But that'll probably, like, like, like Lou said, I would, I would not be surprised to see an Andujar, Gregorius, Torres infield. Right, which then makes me think, can you flip... Starling Castro, plus one of <clears throat> you know the the additional outfield prospects right. for a solid you know what is it going to take to get a solid kind of major league pitcher in here because I think that's the real challenge for the Yankees at this point is to develop outside of Tanaka another kind of you know one B right. starter. Let me ask you this cuz last year you and I had this conversation about Chris Sale and and at the time we this Yeah, we we opined about uh, exactly. Gary Sanchez. We said if, we said if Gary Sanchez and Nate Evaldi for Chris Sale and and we both said yes you would do that. And this was before Sanchez came up and showed right. that he was, you know, the next coming of Christ. Um But that the part of that too is though was because um uh um, Brian McCann was still around right. too, and had two more, three, three more years. I two guess. more years after this, when they when they well, traded. but 
with the, right, with right, the, with right, the option. Had a, right, right. We actually have a caller on the line. Oh, sounds like that caller hung up. Okay, maybe they called the wrong number. So <laughs> maybe they're calling Jersey New Jersey Pizza. It could be. Hey, if, if that was Matt Ioannidis again trying to get some New Jersey Pizza, I would not have blamed him in the slightest. <laughs> uh, they're calling back. Let's get him on the line. See what happens. Hello, caller. Welcome to the Strike Zone. Hi, this is uh, CJ from Hamilton. What's happening, I man? To talk to you guys. Um, no, I, I liked a lot what I had to hear from um, both of the Temple graduates. Um, Ioannidis, I, I followed a, quite a bit of what he did at the end of the year. Um, you know, and like as Kurt said, with Baker being released or let go, um, you know, I, I do think he get he will get more snaps and hopefully more play time. You know. The one thing I did agree with is we have a ton of high school athletes around here who are choosing to go to out of state, and uh, Rutgers would be a completely they would be a contender in the BCS almost every year if um, if we could keep those kids at home. Um, my question is, what do you guys think the answer for that would be? Is to start getting these athletes to stay at Rutgers? Is it the facilities? Is it coaching? Is it you know? What is it that we can keep these kids at home? Because basketball and every sport, New Jersey is a hot, hot, you know, all these professional athletes are all from, a lot of them are from New Jersey. And all of them go to college out of state. So what would you guys think would be the, the move to keep these guys in in New Jersey? That's a great question, CJ, and thanks for the call. Uh, you know, let me, I'll start briefly with this. You know, college athletics, we have to put it, you know, under a certain lens to begin with in that there's a lot of unexpectedness. There's a lot of, I, I, I don't want to say hypocrisy, but there's just a lot of weird factors sometimes that don't make a heck of a lot of sense when it comes to the recruitment of, of, of college athletes. I mean, you would think that logic would dictate just what, what, what you said in that, you know, we would want to keep these guys local and have some sort of state pride, but for, but the logical reasoning just doesn't occur to these guys, right, Kurt? Well, I think the the problem came into fruition was Julie Herman at Rutgers was a terrible athletic director, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to mince words on this because I feel very passionately about it. And Kyle Flood was a terrible hire as a football coach. He took the Shiano momentum and flushed it down the drain. Not only on the field, but also academically as well with some of the players that, that he recruited. Mm-hmm. You have to have a presence. Hopefully Chris Ash um, can do that. I don't know what the answer is right there. Um, Steve Peichel, the basketball coach, seems to have that program in the right direction if he gets some credibility in this state right. to attract people from Roselle Catholic um, if St. Anthony's remains open, Seton Hall prep my alma mater. You got to keep some of these guys home. You got to recruit New Jersey first. The fact that Matt Iaditis did not get a firm commitment from Rutgers tells you, and this is, and Kyle Flood was an old D line coach, tells you that that somebody is obviously not a great talent evaluator. And if you're not a great talent evaluator, then guess what? You're not going to be a good coach, right? Because that's the the basis I will, would see if I'm a good talent evaluator. 
then my coaching actually becomes less important. Right. And and when you evaluate talent, especially from the high school level into the college level, remember that it is a completely different animal than doing it at the professional level. And I think a lot of guys mimic their, their methods of that, thinking like, oh, if, I'm, if, I'm... But if they have a method, Jack, I think that's the other that's thing. That's the next thing, is that they might not even have Ed, a method. Eddie Jordan had a terrible track record prior to be hired as Rutgers coach. Right. They hired him because he was a Rutgers alum. He didn't even graduate from the school. Right. He had to do that. It all starts with the coaches being quality talent evaluators and and working the state relentlessly. Couldn't agree with you more. We could go on and on and on and on and on about this topic. So maybe yeah. we'll do a maybe we'll do an after hours show where we'll call it the strike zone after dark and we'll, you know maybe after we'll, dark after you know we'll we'll, we'll make it kind of sexy. <laughs> but anyway, that's strike three. So I'm afraid this at bat is over. My thanks to my good friend Kurt Maxson and to Lou DiPietro from the Yes Network as well as Matt Ioannidis of the Washington Redskins. We'll be back with you live next Monday at noon Eastern. Till then, reach us on Twitter at Jack Furlong at Kurt Mac twenty three respectively. Be sure to check out the show's blog, osipfoundation.org slash the strike zone, as well as the Facebook page, facebook.com slash strike zone, P-A-N-J radio. Till next time, don't get caught looking in the strike zone. <laughs>